All right, what's up, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of Anime House, and today we're going to be doing a little something special, you know? Normally, we do anime on Anime House or cartoon-related items, with the exception of Suicide Squad. But today, we're going to be talking about a really popular show that's been making the rounds. Actually, it's number one on Netflix right now, generated quite a bit of money internationally. It's called Squid Game, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I loved it, and so I'm very excited to talk about it. That's I um I'm also really excited because currently we're air, we're recording this during October and I've been you know speaking with my friends I'm just wondering how many Squid Game cosplays do you expect to see this summer? There's gonna be there's gonna be so many there's gonna be so many. That's another aspect of many shows that really makes me realize that the aesthetics is huge when it comes to trying to get it. On the air, at least. The idea that if you can have a distinguishable, distinguishable mark, right, that, that this is Squid Game, and if, it, if it's somehow able to reproduce revenue, it's like this. That, that, I feel that if I was a person who was gunning for a show and I noticed that the quality of the script in front of me is really good, but, you know, I'm trying to, like, make something, I would ask them to bring something similar to, like, because they have tracksuits, right? And then, obviously, yeah. the people involved with the game itself, they have another tracksuit or some suit they, they're all distinguishable and it just adds to the allure to the entire show because how because it's easy to just superimpose yourself into squid game <laughs> especially yeah with no, it really is yeah it really is yeah i think they did a great idea of just you know characters that decided to just you know focus on squid game season one mm-hmm. uh, spoiler season two because you know it's massively popular and um and something pretty much that another thing the creator of squid game he was trying to get this get this kind of he had the idea for it almost 10 years ago and he's been progressively trying to or continuously trying to just get to these show producers and say hey want to make this on your platform you know he was gonna he was just shot down so i feel like over those 10 years he had i I think it's a guy i swear my god i feel i feel awful it wasn't um let me just look it up it's a good game creator but anyway over the 10 years you know we got to a point where um Wan Dong, he, I mispronounced that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, for 10 years, I would imagine that he had this opportunity to refine what he was gonna produce, right? I'm not too sure what the um, what the filmography is for the director or the creator in general, but Squid Game itself, for the first thing that I probably ever saw of this of, of the creator, I think it's amazing. And I'm not too sure if season two is gonna have it, but honestly, we don't even need a season two. Um, and we haven't even really met, like even gave him the premise of Squid Game. I went into this thinking, you know, everyone hears it, but I think Nikhil, could you just let everyone know, real quick, uh, if you would have to give the elevator pitch for Squid Game? Okay, uh, I think the best way to describe it is for those who are familiar with uh, Alice in Borderland. Uh, it's a battle royale st- uh, style game where these groups of people, these people, fight for a certain amount of money. Um, and it is involved, very heavily involved with killing and death, unfortunately. And it's about kind of like human brutality and in a way capitalism in Korea. That's the premise of the game. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty like self-explanatory in that regard. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it and I will try to avoid spoilers as much as I can, but just be warned as we continue the show or this, I mean the show. There will be spoilers said here and there, but I will try to avoid talking about the ending entirely. The ending, the ending's um, 
I, you know, I actually want to talk to you, Nikki, after the show about the ending. As I, like many things, endings are a good, a good source of, you know, discussion. Um, I like how you used, it, and this is, and this is really cool because Battle Royale and in your elevator picks, because everyone's familiar with the concept of a Battle Royale, right? I'm telling you, dude, this show is literally an anime. <laughs> this show is yeah. literally an anime. Well, that too, but um. I usually like to just use the idea of a psychological death game only because on the premise of the entire show, the fact that it's a death game, it becomes a pseudo battle royale because people are dying mm-hmm. off every freaking round. But it's it's great to that we and just entirely like we as a community or just we as people on the internet can just say it's a battle royale and people can like get a vague idea of what that means, right? Um, instead mm-hmm. of like you describing, even though I do feel like describing this show as a psychological death game as the genre fits a lot better and only, you know, by the nature of that genre itself, it just leads to people being cut off every round. Because like you said, these people are like in massive debt, they need money and this game is an awkward, weird opportunity. Well, not awkward or weird, but just it's an opportunity for them to just get out of their um, rubbish situation. And I think the directing involved in this show was really cool, especially with episode one and two. Episode one, I just went into it because I was like, oh, it's on Netflix, I'll see it. And automatically I could tell this is this is a good show. It has everything that, I've used to, that I'm used to seeing and like because in my opinion, or I, I should probably like let everyone know that the psychological death game situation or genre is something that I'm a huge fan of. I read a lot of manga that deals with that kind of genre, for example, Real Count, Kami-sama no Itsuro, uh, Alice in Borderland, Liar Game, and all of these different shows. Liar Game has a lot of co- a lot in common with them, this show in particular. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, just in the idea of the dead. But yeah, I, I've always been a fan of this. And I always felt that they would make a good transition into, you know, IRL or like into real acting. And the first episode, I saw all of the different tropes or aspects of that, I, you know, I was used to seeing from, you know, the things that I read from manga, like back when I was in high school. And like, because I stopped, I stopped reading as much, you know, once I got in, into uni, just because, you know, I stopped actively looking out for them. But I saw a lot of potential in these, uh, in this show. So I saw a lot of potential in the show. Because mm-hmm. the acting was insane. One one of the things about these IRL anime adaptation is that the acting isn't on point. I don't know what's going on, but it's always bad. But for Squid Game episode one, it was already good, and you can easily tell. Like from it's just it's textbook good writing. Um, you can tell your character, your you know protagonist has plenty of faults, right? Um, what the money, money gambling addiction? We're not gambling. Well, he he's a gambler. He just loses it, and he just doesn't have anything going for him. He's in debt. He yeah. has a daughter that. It's 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 in an awkward position because you know being a parent, you also want to be respected in the in your eyes of your children. Or I I mean I'm not a parent myself, but I would imagine that, and you you can even add your own your sense of this, right? If you're if you would be a parent, you would want to feel that you could at least provide or just be a source of um a good figure for them in general. And obviously, he knows how it probably looks for his daughter, especially considering that he doesn't have custody. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, uh, to your point, actually, um, the debt crisis in Korea is actually very high. And so I think it's a really interesting point you bring up, because this ties in with my earlier statement about Korean capitalism. Uh, Capitalism in Korea is pretty bad, as we all know. And I really feel like Squid Game took all the really, like, I don't want to say abhorrent, but like, the not great parts of Korea and like, really put it on display. So it was not just capitalism, but it was also racism. It was also sexism. You, you saw all of it. And it was very obvious. Uh, the director never sugarcoated anything. I actually loved that. Because, like, 
I think in a lot of Asian cultures, I think it's very like it's not a really talked about thing, right? You see this a lot in America because obviously we've been we we're born, raised here, we grew up here. It's a little different. Like we we talk about this stuff very actively because it's a cultural melting pot. But in a lot of Asian countries, it's very uniform. For example, when you go to like Japan, China, Korea, India, uh, Singapore, well, Singapore actually being that exception, but like uh, those specific countries, you see that like they're mostly people of the same race. So they follow very similar ideals, uh, which makes sense. And I think it's really interesting that Squid Game not only brought up that problem, but it'll, it, it kind of like made it a glaring issue, right? And it talked about the debt crisis in Korea. It talked about like the racism in Korea. It talked about the sexism in Korea. It talked about all this different stuff. Like, in fact, the female protagonist was the complete opposite of what like what it's like to be a female in Korea, I think, which is so cool to me. I love that. And it shows like progressiveness and it shows like kind of forward thinking in a sense. And I, I, I love that, of course, you know. It's it's amazing, um, but yeah, for sure. I think finally, I so an issue with me obviously is that because it's from South Korea, I'm awful at remembering the names. For example, I remember Ali, but that's three letters to the man's name. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Ali is a real one. He was my favorite character in the entire show. He was great. On they were all really good. Yeah, they were all really good. All of them were such good actors. It's crazy because a lot of them are actually very new actors too. Like almost all of them, this is their first either their first acting job or it's their first like real time acting. So it's really cool to see like this really did feel like a feel like a passion project, you know, almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the creator himself, the director, was trying to pitch this for eight years, and it finally happened like super recently. So yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, oh god, I I even want to buy some of the tracksuits or whatever. But yeah, that's that's a discussion for something else. I also love the fact that I mean, like I'm saying, it's just textbook good storytelling, right? You get. You get the lie that they believe, right? You get the introduction of the on um, this entire new world, right? In episode one, when they're when that's not a, is it episode one when they're recruited? No, episode one you're introduced to the protagonist, right? And you're introduced to, and one of the greatest scenes for episode one has to be the recruiter scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so good that once it comes back up at you know when you see it at the last episode again, it gives you it gave me chills. I don't know if it gave you chills when you saw the same recruiter. Hmm. That was just something else because the amount of power that that person inst- it has in the fact that we only saw them as this, it was almost as if um, it wasn't human. That person didn't feel human when he was introduced and then when he left. He felt like it was just mm-hmm. a force of nature. And it was 100%. I, you couldn't even feel that it was the creator himself. Like That's his hand in the work almost in like metaphysical way, right? This is the person who brought yeah. everything together. It wasn't involved in the actual squid game itself, but the but the role of, this, of the recruiter is crazy to the point where I, yeah, I get I'm chills kidding. of this guy. But yeah, yeah. Like, that was a great scene. I was introduced to the idea of a squid game. And I mean, the first, and then the, another thing about the psychological death game genres is that they use the games that these people end up playing are, they do tend to be children's games. Games and that's another another. I mean, there's plenty of themes involved with the show, but the fact that and something and it's touched up in pretty much the climate one of the climatic points at the closer to the end episodes, the the whole notion of what it means to be a child and playing these games and how much fun you actually have while playing them, and then they're brought back up and then you know they're given a twist. I mean, something else is uh, mm-hmm. really interesting about children itself is um Mary had a little lamb and all of these like 
this is not not necessarily like you know the games that they play, but all of these um, things that deal with children inherently are, can be sometimes creepy when you just analyze them, just like literally and like what they're doing. Like Squid Game itself, the game that they that the, you know the the game that the show is based off of, and the description that that they gave in episode one is very creepy when you just look at it from a literal standpoint. And I mean another, there's a lot of nursery rhymes that are also like this. Is wouldn't you say, Nikhil? If you can, I can't. Yeah. Remember. Yeah, but like, and that that was amazing that that the director was able to just use that and then like retroactively give it to people who and the, you know the two main leads or the two main leads that we kind of follow grew up in the same neighborhood, so they have history together, which is an amazing touch, right? Because you know, and the idea of from a natural writing standpoint is that with two characters you're able to use them as foils to one another, and that did happen, right? With our protagonists, usually in most media, you follow a positive character arc, which is what our protagonists end up doing. But for his friend, he actually underwent a negative character arc, which was really cool. I, I mean, negative character arcs are really difficult for people to get behind them. I mean, Gone from Hunter Hunter went through a negative character arc, while Miriam went through positive character arc, even they, and throughout the entire, like, Okay, this is Hunter I, I Hunter. Wanna, I just want to quickly mention, actually, a few friends were comparing Squid Game to Hunter Hunter, first arc specifically, and I was thinking of SAO a lot, so yeah, yeah. just saying, just saying. Oh, yeah, the other thing that we're probably going to be touching up on is how similar Squid Game is to just anime. It I mean, Nikhil is surprised to the fact that it's just a really well-done IRL anime, and it, it got to the point, it's weird, because I have a friend who hates anime and he's heard squid game and he's like i don't watch i don't watch IRL anime stuff just it because it's anime and then i was like but it's a it's an original work and he's like oh oh okay but even for someone like him he he saw the few clips and he's like this is really anime mm-hmm. it's i mean i mean effectively yeah it's literally just anime <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah it's really cool another person who actually who's really popular Anyone who's on YouTube might actually know about them. Is PewDiePie? He made a comment about this. Is just, and he was really blunt about this. I mean, that's a flare, PewDiePie. He said it's just ripoff anime. <laughs> oh, okay, PewDiePie. That's that might be a bit going too far. All right, you gotta. I give... mean, it's not a ripoff anime per se, yeah. but it, it's very similar. You definitely see these notions, and I think something I really want to kind of touch on is, I mean, I mentioned it before with the whole capitalism thing in Korea and all that. But to me, I think one of the most powerful things about Squid Game was it's, and I mean, very similar to anime too, right? Because like shows like March Comes in Like a Lion does it really well when touching upon ideas of like depression, for example. This show touched on some real life events that are so chronic. And like, it was crazy to me to see. For example, um, the creator of the show, uh, Huang Dong Hyuk, I'm so sorry if I butchered that. Um, he actually based the show around the two that what was going on with 2008 right the rise of big tech and it like facebook uh facebook google etc etc and then the cryptocurrency boom that happened in 2008 as well where you had like millions upon millions of people investing their entire life into crypto and then not just crypto but like stocks too right and then you saw what happened in 2008 so many people went homeless so many people went bankrupt so many people just like got screwed over and then they were forced to take these loans in order to survive, but these loans were insane because they had a really high interest, and like a lot of them just could not pay them back, right? Yeah. And then it's funny because he also says later on, like in 2016, like Donald Trump became president of the United States, and he almost treated he treated the he treated America like his own kind of 
Squid Game in a sense, like he was one of the VIPs, and he's running okay. it like a game show, um, not like a country. I I, th- I thought it was really interesting that the creator himself were acknowledging all these worldwide problems, and he decided to implement all of them within the show itself. So that's what that to me that's what made it such so appealing and so addicting because I was like, dang, like in a weird way, you could really see this happening in real life, as dark and scary Easy. as it is. Maybe it's happening right now. We just don't know. But who who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, for sure. I can see. I mean, one of the hallmarks of good TV is that it reflects an an aspect of life, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like watching it, right? Because no matter how much I, I could go out and experience, right? And of course, I, I, I do suggest that people go out and experience life because it's amazing. But there's always going to be an aspect that I cannot see all the percep- pers- perspectives of life with one like myself. And it's amazing to be able to just sit down through any media and have these creators just show me something that they see it from their experience and they want to share with other people. And that's, and Squid Game does an amazing job for this. And coming from South Korea, it's just, and it's just amazing that, because media is very much controlled, and like entertainment media is very much controlled by through Hollywood and seeing these foreign talents breach that kind of, um, Hollywood mode is is just always a good sign because you know that's just good television just fortunately merits a great audience. Yeah. Um, there's no need for Hollywood to have this weird dominance. Um I mean I think in the mid of mid 1900s there was a lot more I think French was really big on foreign television but they haven't really it's, it's awkward for me to say they haven't really done much it's rather I should say that I haven't really seen anything as huge as Squid Game. And that's probably one of the reasons for that might be, you know, I live in America, so America, <laughs> but there's no denying the Squid Game's international fame. Oh, Every single 100%. one of the characters are just big names on themselves from this one show. I mean, even one of the VIPs, they, that person, I, I recently read a small article just because it caught my attention and it popped up on my phone. The man has like a, a son, like a real young, young son, but he, they're pretty much penniless, and thanks to the Squid Game, he won. He, you know, he got paid for it. But the big, big aspect of this is that he got so many requests from, you know, just projects reaching out to him and asking, "Would you want an actor for this project, A, B, or C?" And you know, if that happens for just the VIP who was only in one episode, or not one episode, but I feel like two episodes. But nonetheless. It, it wasn't that much of a focus in comparison to the other five main, right? Um, yeah. I can just imagine the kind of boom that they got for their entire... I mean, I wonder how their agents are dealing with this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it definitely blew up, uh, blew up a lot. But, um, I I mean, overall, like the show deserves everything it's getting, to be honest. I think it's a really good show. It's really well made. really reminds me of an anime and isekai and all that. Very dark isekai, but nonetheless, it really reminds me of that. And I think in relation to its anime counterparts, I know first you mentioned Hunter Hunter, and I mentioned um, um, Sao, but it it really has all these like ba- like these eight typical battle royale elements. You know, it really just makes me think it's like literally an anime <laughs> in real life. Yeah, I know you mentioned that you were really curious to just read more of similar stuff like this. I'm not too sure if you ever got around to it, but I would love to hear your opinions on the other things that I shared with you, if you ever get around to it. If not, it's whatever. But um, yeah, Well, it's, just, it's a matter of getting to it eventually. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of stuff on this. I have so behind on my seasonal stuff, but that's another that's another topic afterwards to talk about. Yeah. Another aspect, or something I should probably mention, is that isekai in general is 
as a specific genre, but like for textbook storytelling, like to make good storytelling in general, it always happens that the lead is introduced to this aspect of a new a new status quo. And like they're mm-hmm. taken into this new world or whatever. So like that's always you know, it's you can actually always pin down how this happens, right? And eventually they they're hesitant at first and then they accept it. And like episode three, I think is the one where I think it was Sang Gi Hoon who was one of the persons who's because there's three specific rules involved with Squid Game, which becomes relevant pretty early on after people realize, oh, we're dying from this. Okay, maybe we should stop playing. And then it becomes relevant at as a plot point to reflect the the opposing dichotomy between, you know, Seung Jae-hoon and then his best friend, Cho Sang-hoo, mm-hmm. during the climatic battle. But yeah, it's great that in that moment where they were given the opportunity to just end the games, um, they went back and then we actually saw each one of the protagonists, or the leads for the most part, and how life is without the Squid Game. And that was the moment that each one of them made the active effort as characters to return to the game, which is just... Whenever, when, whenever you read any books on like storytelling, like what makes them good, that's like something that they mention about the willingness of the of your character to re-enter this um this mystical location or mystical place, right? That's just yeah. there for them because it's like it's a setting that provides character growth for everyone involved, or in particular, you know, the the leads that you're following. It's it was just so textbook, and it was so good. <laughs> I, they they knew exactly what they were going for there. I'm excited to kind of see uh, the, the potential season two. I don't want to spoil the ending, and obviously I don't think we will. So we'll see. But, I mean, the, the show generated $900 million for Netflix, yeah. which is quite a bit it's of money. Going there. It's going to hit the billion by the end. I yeah, remember. I mean, 100%. It, it was one of the highest rated shows of all time on Netflix. So, like, there, there's no shot it's not. But... Yeah. I mean, as a show, I think it captured everything like an anime-type show should, almost perfectly. It was, like, so textbook. But it was exactly what it meant to do. And... It's weird that we keep saying the anime, but I think there's a specific aspect of anime that we see we saw in the show, right? It's otherworldly, and it's just... It's really vibrant with life, I think. I feel like those are... A good a good adjectives for me to use to describe because we see this and we just think man this is, has a lot of aesthetics like i mentioned in anime's very aesthetic kind of deal but the fact that so many people have gone out of their way and said this is so much like anime but yet i haven't like sat down and actually like written down why is it like anime right besides the fact that you know genre deals with it is really interesting and i'm I, I don't think i can make a good you know video essay and like why i feel like it's so similar but there's definitely something in there something unique about anime itself that makes people feel like, hey, this is similar to this specific medium, even though they're totally different. And that actually probably has more to do with the fact that what anime touches on, it's very difficult to translate into different mediums, right? And that's one of the... And this could also apply to almost different mediums, right? They have different strengths and different tropes and different um, themes that they can, like, focus on to Mm -hmm. capitalize on, on the medium strength. So yeah, for example, video games in particular, I would imagine something that they can take advantage of is the medium itself. I think a good one would be near Automa. I think that I remember very clearly that I'm playing that game right now. You're playing it right now? Yeah, okay. But then, was it because of our friend um Ethan? <laughs> yeah, he, he has the game, so he just gave it to me. Yeah, Ethan, I mean what about he, I know Ethan loves Near Automa, but Near Automa is good in general, but something about it that makes it stand out is the fact that 
it plays with these aspects of video games that we have taken for granted or considered staple standard and they tweaked it a bit to make us actually think about the existential dread that happens with those various aspects and it really elevates the story in general and it's not that that story is only possible because it's from you know a video game medium kind of situation and it's similar to a bunch of different mediums it's ways that you can capitalize it on and i think that there's something very unique about anime itself that isn't touched upon in other forms and i think that it was very replicated very well in squid game Mm -hmm. for sure Oh, without a doubt, it was. Like, without a doubt, it was. Yeah, not too sure what it was, but there was something unique about it, and it was great. And our boy Ali is... I love Ali! He <laughs> was a real he, one. He, he really about Ali. Real one. He's such a good just character itself because he represents the immigrant, and that might be very blunt, and it might be pretty rude of me to say, but uh, there's something about... I mean, you're, you're going to go watch, what, Hamilton later today? Yeah, I am. Finally enough. I mean, there's a lot of neg- negative connotation when it comes to Im- immigrants in general, but I feel like there's a lot of positive things that you can write for them, right? Because they're strangers to a new place. And in general, they're just looking out to see if they can improve their quality of life. And that's exactly what Ali is. Like, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> Too nice. Probably. <laughs> and Yeah. It's just there, and he, he's got to do what he's got to do. I I think his story was obviously one of the more powerful ones in my opinion i think it's one of the most relatable because being the child of an immigrant like obviously i saw a little bit of myself in that kind of scenario and like it, it, it was like a gateway of like what my family had to go through to get to america right and also him being brown i think kind of helped but <laughs> it was it was it was also a thing of i i really felt like one of the one of the one of the scenes i think that's still i still take away from the show was episode six where that like girl that like no one likes she is trying to convince everyone to team up with her and she was like oh why would you want to like partner with an uh with an alien and i was like oh my god and uh obviously i was mad but then i i mean if you think about it like a lot of this kind of stuff happened in america too right it's not exclusive to just one area and it's it it one of the things I loved about Squid Game, and I, I said this again and again, but I really do mean it, is the idea that it brings about all these problems, these inherent problems in society in the forefront of a scenario of a death game. And as dark as it is, it brings out these problems really, really well. And what it did with Ali, right? And Ali's uh, whole kind of situation of like, he's an immigrant really trying to just fight for his family and his family's freedom and trying to kind of go back to Pakistan and then also trying to make it uh, in a country that he has like barely any like connections to. Right. I think there were two scenes I really liked with him. One of them was when he was like, I don't have any money, so I'm just going to walk like two hours to get back home. And the other one was I like when he was just sitting there and he was getting blasted for being an immigrant and he just didn't do anything about it because obviously like, what could he do? Right. And so, I think both those scenes were really powerful in a lot of ways because, like, it kind of shows that immigrants, when they come to these countries, really just don't have another out in a way of, like, they have to, like, put their nose down and work hard to get what they want. It's not something that's very easily not just handed to them, but it's not, they don't have the luxury to choose. And I, I think that was really powerful. And I, I'm very, very, very impressed that the director managed to fit that kind of message in. To me, that was insane. And so, 
I really, really like that. Ali is without a doubt my favorite character, but like, regard, I think his story was one of the most profound and the most like easily connectable, I think, or relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, he's great. I mean, for sure. Something else that a lesser creator or author would have done is that they would have just tried to focus on the games entirely. But there's side, there's like plot Bs that interconnect, like B plots that interconnect, like that one time where the people, the employees, the personnel involved with Squid Game found an opportunity <laughs> to make more money on the side, right? By doing some very amoral things to the bodies of the contestants that have passed away. And mm. I found that to be such an interesting... This goes again back to how the author understands exactly the setting that he's created for these people. And it feels so alive because of that. It feels even more alive because, you know, the people themselves... You could have in an aspect that, you know, they're almost inhuman, right? The personnel, because they're robotic in nature, they follow orders perfectly, right? But then you see them that they also are out there trying to make money, right? And, and I love the aspect of the people that were working for, you know, the Squid Game people who... Well, the Squid Game developers or whatever. And then the, the players, the contestants themselves. A uh, theme or a plot point that was addressed is that Are, are You Not Human? Is that, that Seong Gi-hoon, like, you know, addressed or, like, spoke to them once. And obviously, yeah, they are, but definitely... A different aspect of humanity that the creator was trying to um, express through them, the people that were inside the Squid Game itself. And I think mm -hmm. that the way that he decided to just introduce that plot B speaks a lot of how he, how well he understands the game or, or the entire the world he's created. And that was awesome. Uh, another another plot that plot that plot point introduced into this one, which I thought was mad, but the but the um the the acting was good. I mean, the lines were good too. Was the detective. Mm -hmm. And I think that that one meld very well with you know the B plot, and the B plot itself gave way for some good um good, good points of dialogue, especially with the showrunner, because it yeah. gave um it gave the author the opportunity to explicitly say what the Squid Game represents to well, this person in particular, but I would imagine it's the mission of excuse me, I would imagine that it's the mission of Squid Game that he was able to just speak through. The showrunner and he put him in a position that led people to organically ask him that question which is mm -hmm. great i mean lesser lesser authors as creators wouldn't think about that kind of stuff or exactly, even if they yeah. think about that kind of stuff they wouldn't be able to properly introduce it to the story kind of almost justify it in a way you know yeah exactly and it's great because like now you don't have to do an ma ama right and awkwardly say it or, or like it's not it's i mean you easily you could have come to the same conclusion that the showrunner the showrunner within Squid Game like spoke or said, right? Um, but it's different than actually have given that person or that character the opportunity to say that. Because it shows a lot about him as a character without us having to speculate. Even though we could speculate and like people could get very close to it, right? Because it's like it's not too difficult to just get to that conclusion. But it's great to see how the creator puts these set pieces together to make them work so well. Oh, exactly. I, I think that's what makes this show brilliant, honestly. Just the fact of like, how, how everything is almost so interconnected to the point where it's like, like dang, like you, you watch a show, you finish it, right? It took me two days. Oh my God. I just binged it. And afterwards, you just sit down and be like, wow. Everything was interconnected and everything was so brilliantly done. And it really just makes you think.
I think. Yeah. Which is uh, which is very satisfying. For sure. I think um I think that's like most of the things that I wanted to mention without going to Yeah, spoilers. so I don't I... so obviously I think this is one of those shows where it's like there's a lot more I want to say. I can take a deep a deep dive analysis on each of these characters if I really want to. But for one, the sake of time, but also because I really want people to watch this show, I will not say anything more. If you have watched the show, I mean, we'd love to discuss it on Twitter and all of that. You know where to find us, I hope, by now. But I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah, it'll be in the links, so don't worry about it too much. But I really would encourage everyone who's listening to watch this show. I think it's really well made, really well executed. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I already spoiled a good amount, right, when I was talking about climatic ending so people know who are the two ugh, ugh. I, I, and i realized that too late uh so it's at the end of the day like i'm hoping the people who've watched this or who listened to this episode of already game or well, don't mind spoilers so yeah. as, as usual goes with all our stuff but yeah i mean like again this is one of those shows where you can shows where you can really take a deep dive analysis into each of these characters yeah i agree one of those shows that you can easily take a deep dive into the any of these characters. But for oh, now, I'm definitely good. go watch it. Definitely think, go um, watch it. That's it for Squid Game. Really great show. I think now we can move on to our most like very anticipated what are we doing or what have we been watching section. <laughs> that we I feel like we haven't done it in like forever. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute. Actually there is a show I wanted to talk about really briefly. Uh I think it has one of the best first episodes I have ever watched in anime. Like, I'm not even joking when I say this. And that's like really high praise. So I'm actually really excited for this one. It's a uh, fall 2021 season. Um, it's really popular. I'm sure you know our Francisco uh, Komi-san. I think oh, yeah. it has one of the greatest first episodes I've ever watched. It was absolutely just brilliant. Like the way it was made, the pacing, everything, the art. Oh my god, the art. It was just so good. Like the first episode was just so good, and I cannot recommend it enough. I am obviously watching it seasonally. Netflix is very annoying. I hate dealing with Netflix. But oh wait, wait! I gotta mention something right now. Netflix is changing their model um on how they Western are. Audience. They're, they're, so... they're adapting the weekly anime thing now, which is kind of crazy. Yes. Yes. Like they listened. Someone on the board was like, "Wait, why don't we just do weekly?" It's like, why? And you know, they probably mentioned that the anime seasonal community consume things slightly differently, and you know, you can still you can appeal to that crowd, and then you can once it's done, people who binge it can easily just go at it. So you're you're getting both of them. Um, I don't know what they needed to do in the back end to just change that. I'm not too sure if that you know that leads to anything of them paying differently, but who cares? And the point is, they changed their model, so now we don't have to dread Netflix as much if if they adopt it for everyone. Yeah. But Komi-sama, by the way, I read 200 and something chapters. It's like 300 and something now. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I see the genius behind Komi-sama. I stopped reading it. Well, it's like a slice of life situation. But there's a lot of good themes that a 12-episode series can take from, you know, the the actual content of Komi-sama, the manga. And with the good director and the good team behind it, they can just distill those various events or aspects and make an anime 12 episode series just be all the good things about that make Komi-sama as popular as what it is right now and just 
put it out there for people to see and it's like raw form and that's great mm-hmm. so i mean Komi so someone can't communicate right just like really beautiful um pretty much kid i mean she's a kid who just doesn't have friends but wants to make friends and then the, there's a really great friend that's out there who's like you know what i'll help you i'll help you yeah why not why not yeah why not yeah komisama is actually one of those i think um many years back like six or so years before kaguya-sama was um adapted it was a couple three animes or three mangas i remember that people kept talking about these are super popular but yet there's no um there's no adaption for them right kaguya-sama wants to be confessed to and komisama can't communicate with and i forget a third one a third one was up there with those with those mangas that people are like yep these are never going to be adapted oh well <laughs> whatever i mean it was surprising that it did so uh i think blue period is also on netflix too legally as well and blue period is pretty good uh, i watched the first episode i mean i continue watching it but i'm trying to catch up with like everything i haven't been watching anime in the last like two weeks honestly so I need to catch up with all my seasonal stuff. I just caught up with Platinum End. I watched the first few episodes. Um, definitely we'll do. We'll, we'll be doing an episode on Platinum End. I'm calling it right now. There's no way we're not. So we'll talk about an episode it. on what? Uh, Platinum End. Oh, I can't hear you. Cut off right there. I think. Uh, Platinum End. Oh, oh yeah, an episode on Platinum End. Yeah, that'd be. You want to do that? Is you think that one might be the one for? For this season, that we we just oh, it's twenty four episodes technically. So it'll be like half a year from now when we talk about. Yeah, we'll do an episode well in the future, but expect an episode later. So I don't want to talk about it too much, encouraging viewers it? to watch it. I for mean, it's only two episodes in, so like yeah, I'm yeah. indifferent at the moment. But okay. we'll see how kind of the story develops, and then I will have more of an opinion. Okay, that's cool. And the premise is like interesting. That's about much. That's about it. Yeah, the premise is pretty cool, actually. I do like it. I mean, for fans of Death Note, you definitely will like it. That's not really an issue. Fans of Death Note, fans of Bakuman. I mean, these two, it's a two-person unit team, and they're good at what they do. Exactly. Yeah. Which I, I mean, that's something else that we probably had, you know, touch up on. The two-person unit team of Mangakas. The illustrator and then the storyboard artist. I feel that there's a lot of series out there, and I can't think of any of you know examples at the top of my head. But I know that when I go into them, read them, and then I look into you know the team involved, right, with Mango, I feel like it gives those that team or that new model, quote unquote, new model, even though it feels like it should be explanatory, or not not explanatory, but it feels like it's so obvious that it's like, how is it new? Right? But the, I mean, it wasn't a thing; it wasn't a standard for a while, right? It was just one person, maybe some some assistance. I mean, look at Oda. But the two-person team, I feel it takes a lot of the stress out from just writing a story in general, right? Especially yeah, when it comes exactly. to being weekly. Exactly. Yes. And some people get, you know, do a very good job at it, right? And, you know, there's yeah. also issues with it, right? It's the fact that if it turns out that your illustrator might be not the best of persons, right? And For example, I think Act Age is a good example where uh-huh. that manga had to end early because the Oh, no, that was a storyboard artist. The storyboard artist was doing questionable stuff, and I don't even want to give that person attention. But unfortunately, that meant the yeah. illustrator, the entire publishing company, decided to drop ActAge right then and there, even though it was pretty mm. good. It was really good. I haven't read it, yeah. but my sister read it. Um, and unfortunately, the illustrator, in one of their first like times, she was like, damn, that, what an asshole. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully exactly. she finds work for so a more a more wordy <laughs> weird way to phrase it. Exactly. Yeah, but because her art's good. But yeah, that platinum in—that's something we're definitely touch up. Anything else that you want that you want to mention it to folks, or should I probably like start talking about what I'm reading? No, definitely start talking. I don't really have anything else that I'm very actively participating in. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, oh wait, yeah, I something else that I I was super excited to hear about is that how, did you did you consider reading Jigoraku Hell's Paradise or did you did, was that put on? I'm reading on? it. I'm on like episode. I'm on like the 60th chapter or something. Cool. Are you enjoying that? Because that's the one that we're probably getting. It's good. I think it's fine. I enjoy it for what it is. Actually. Um, but I've I've taken a break from it. But I need to get back on it, dude. I need to finish it. I I have spoiled it for myself. So I don't hold on. But you have what? I, I'm liking it so far. I may or may not have spoiled it for myself. So I I uh, <laughs> I kind of know all the secrets of the <laughs> the manga. Secrets. But uh, I think it's good. I think overall it's really good. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting one. I know a lot of people on the internet like to say the Hell Trio, or how is it, how, how is that going? Uh, yeah, the Hell Trio thing. I think it's fine. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, like, you know, it, I think it's fine. Like, that's the, that's the best way to put it. I think it's okay. Oh, no, that sucks. I enjoyed that a lot. Well, I, I did binge it, though, so I read the entirety of it. No, I I mean I think I think to, I think I think the manga is really good. I just I'm not keeping up with it as much as I want to. So. Oh, okay, that's what you mean. Yeah, I guess I can mention some things that I'm watching. I was supposed to keep a list of this so for this exact moment when we have our what are we doing section or whatever. But I guess one that I could talk about. Oh, Bojack! I finished Bojack. Fantastic show. Um, Bojack is one of the greatest shows of all time. I yeah, I don't, I don't even that. feel bad saying that. I, it's, it's so good. It's so crazy good. how super common mental illness is that people can just profit off that. But I don't feel bad about the creators of Bojack quote unquote profiting off it, even though that's effectively what's going on, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just it it speaks more to a wider issue, which is humanity in general. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's definitely one of the greats. I I would also probably say it's probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, there's that, no question amazing. about it. So that that took a good amount of my time and fortune, and I love how it took a good amount of my time. It was it was great. The other thing that I watched, I think I it's been so long. I I watched the Gravity Falls, which was good. Two seasons. That's a really good show. Okay. I mean, I, I really like Gravity Falls. Another one that I'm watching currently is Paranoia Agent. Mm-hmm. Not too sure people are familiar. Oh, I know Paranoia the, Agent. Yeah, the director's really famous. He passed away too soon in his career. Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, yeah. But that's a discussion for another time. He already got um, I mean, he got a lot of love a while back on YouTube and whatnot. People just gave tributes to the work that he's done, like. Uh, let me think. Paprika is one of them. I'm blue something. Blue period. Not blue period. Uh, another one. He made a good amount of movies. And Paranoia is one of the anime they, the, the man made. I think there's another yeah. one. This, by the way, the, the let me look up the director's name because I think it's. I find it really interesting that this director always worked very exclusively with, or they he had a good relationship with um. With a specific music composer. 
and mm-hmm. music is a huge aspect of um of his his work and it, i i only mention yeah. this because that specific music composer there was one there was one piece that you know this guy of the author of these paranoia agent music come on come on, come on. Satoshi Khan. So Satoshi Khan, before he made the jump into anime and like movies and whatnot, he wrote a bit of manga, and there was a manga yeah. that was cut early, and I don't know the name, but it was cut off early. So recently, an anime studio decided to pick up that manga that you know Satoshi Khan wrote like many years ago, and one of the comp- the composer involved with that project automatically the person that wasn't that jumped on was the composer that. Satoshi Khan worked with all those years ago. It seems that this this composer loves him, and to the fact that he would still want to work on something that's reminiscent of Satoshi Khan. So I'm very curious to know what kind of relationship they had. Like they like were they friends or did they have a respect for each other's work kind of situation? Yeah, I, I found that really cute. The fact that many years later, the same music composer that is pretty much synonymous with the kind of stuff that Satoshi Khan has done is involved with one of the mangas that. The dude wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, I agree. It is. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I guess that's like everything I have in mind. Have I been reading anything? I mean, yes and no. Of course, I keep up to date with things like I keep up to date with Shonen Jump, right? So a few other stuff. I recently started reading PPPPP, like five P's involved with that. It's a music kind of um, piano situation. Piano genre, music genre, uh, manga that's being published at uh, Shoney Jump. I think it's only got like four chapters in. You know, we, I'm keeping up with the One Piece. I'm keeping up with the Jujutsu Kaisen. Maybe not all the time with um, Hero Academia because I'm disappointed with Hero Academia in general. But who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's about it. Um, nothing else that I'm reading. I should probably get back into more into reading. I have this awkward time when I get out of work. And I definitely like eat and then I watch telly, but I gotta get my phone away from me then. Yeah, no, I understand. It just gets in the way, and I'm like, I wanna yeah. watch this, and I have no self control anymore. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that you or is that just me? I don't know. No, I've been trying to, that's why I've been watching a lot of anime and shows in the night, because I generally put my phone actually like away from me, it's charging on my table. So then I'm not on my phone while I'm watching a show so I can fully consume it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, don't know, I get off work, right? Because we're on there, or at least I'm working for, like, cringe 9 to 5. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, I have an easy commute. Like, I walk, like, 15 minutes back to my place. So I, I save a lot of time. I got a gym on my location, so that's really cool. That helps me maintain my physical health. But then I get on my phone, and I'm on there for, like, an hour, hour and a half on social media. And I'm like, I'm dumb. It's mm-hmm. good to do this every now and then, but like for an hour and a half at a certain point, there's like diminishing returns. Yeah, no, I agree. That is uh that is the conundrum of being on your phone all the time, honestly. Yeah, but that's uh, that's something else. That's an entirely different conversation. But I guess that's yeah. it for now. I guess something else that I did recently pick up was um Paladin. Um Paladin. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's an anime that's recently airing, it's on yeah. Crunchyroll. The far away. Oh path. yeah, I'm watching that. I'm gonna oh, watch it. I mentioned it to you when we did our um, things to expect for this season episode slash Samurai Champloo. Yeah. 
I think what I mentioned or how I described it was that a hero is born in a time where a hero shouldn't exist. That was that was. I'm my... actually very excited for it. It looks really good. I have it queued up. I have a tab open for watching it later, so I will. Oh yeah, you haven't watched it yet. Oh okay. I okay, have okay. not watched it yet. I thought you wanted so, to see like episode one. It's a lot of internal dialogue, and I'm not a big fan of that. But I know you don't really care too much about it. I don't care that much about it, so it should be fine. I read the light novel, so I don't think there's a grass. Maybe the you know the translations weren't that. But I I mean I enjoyed it for the potential that it has as a story in general. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be. I I enjoy it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um. It does. It's slow. It's only twelve episodes. Slow in the light novel, so we're, we'll see what the author has to do with it. I'd like to hear your opinions on it. But no, it's one of those fantasy ones. If you want to get into like a somewhat epic, right? Faraway Paladin is in there. It's very traditional in that kind of fantasy genre. Oh yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it soon enough. Dope. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. That's all. That's all I gotta say. Oh, yeah, squid game? Insane. What's a game to a squid, you know? <laughs> I love the memes. <laughs> uh yeah. The memes were the memes are solid. But yeah, yeah other than that, um yeah, I got nothing else. Alright, take care everyone. Alright, bye guys.